Hello and welcome to the Digital Health Leader Podcast, a Chime membership series where we bring the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the president and CEO of Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. Join me as we celebrate digital health leaders who are forging new paths and coming up with new inspirational ideas and shaping an industry for the better. These leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know those leaders and support them here at Chime. Today, we welcome a doctor, healthcare executive, lawyer, bioethicist, and associate professor. As the author of two best-selling books, Compassionomics, The Revolutionary Evidence That Caring Makes a Difference, and Wonder Drug. He is passionate about the impact that compassion and serving others can have on improving healthcare outcomes, enhancing patient satisfaction, and reducing burnout. Along with his responsibilities as an executive in healthcare, this leader continues to practice emergency medicine at a level one academic medical center in Camden, New Jersey, an urban community previously known for its challenges with poverty and crime. It is such a pleasure to welcome the co-president and CEO of Cooper University Healthcare, Dr. Anthony Mazzarelli. So welcome to have you on the program, Doctor. It's Dr. great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'll tell you what, uh, I very rarely have ever got to do this. You just came off the stage delivering one of our best opening keynote speaking uh, engagements we've ever had at our Thank fall forum. It, it really did make an impact listening to people that have come up and talked to you afterwards. And uh, I've been doing this job for 11 years, been involved with Chime. I've never had anybody delivering little notes of appreciation right after this. So obviously, you've already be, made a big be, impact. To be fair, I talked about the evidence of the benefit of giving thank you notes in the talk. So it's a little bit of a cheat in some way. Well, uh, regardless, <laughs> it, it was a great thing to see. And it really was impactful. So, so for our listeners that couldn't be with us here in Phoenix, tell us a little bit about this concept of Compassionomics. What is that? Sure. So Compassionomics... Um, is something we've actually published in the biomedical literature. It's it's the idea of uh, the impact of compassionate care on health, meaning outcomes, health care costs, and health care delivery, those that, that actually deliver care. That last part, we said, wait a minute, can it really only be health care people that would get an advantage of focusing on other people? So then we went back and we looked at even more data. The first book, Compassionomics, we looked at a ton of data. We curated all the data of just being other focused, not even healthcare specific. And what you find is frankly amazing that, um, you know, for the data with respect to healthcare, it improves outcomes, it lowers costs, it decreases burnout. And then when you look at other people, it's amazing how you live longer, better health, um, you do better in your job, you make more money, your teams function better, your organizations function better when you are other focused and think about serving others. It doesn't mean you have to move or change your job. It means that you find, according to the data, 100 hours a year, so 16 minutes a day, where you can do things where you're focusing on others. Wow. Well, I was really taken aback. I mean, it really did hit kind of home for us. We try to treat our organization, even a big conference like this, as just a big family reunion where people can do exactly what you talk about, share with each other, be compassionate about each other's journeys. And I think it was really impactful what you provided today. So let's talk a little bit, dive a little deeper in here about can maybe some concepts of the possible loss in today's environment, kind of that post-pandemic world we're living in, an entire generation of kids that got isolated for a period of time. Um, even now, organizations, including China, we're all remote staff. We're in many different states. Uh, 
Is there an opportunity, whether it be from a telemedicine and care delivery, or even just the concept of humanity and how we used to act, to, for us to lose the sight of what you just talked about and the benefits? Well, I have good news and bad news. Okay, so the bad news is there's lots of evidence that we went away from connecting to others, from relying on others when we have times of need, of focusing on others, to being very self-focused well before COVID. So as I mentioned in the talk, really somewhere around the 70s, which you know Tom Wolf called the me decade, and then the greed decade of the 80s, uh, into the 90s where, you know, uh, and the 2000s where we're very much focused on ourselves and we go into our own headspace. So COVID just accentuated, like everything else, like everything else we saw in healthcare, it really was just an accelerant for a problem we were already having. And so I think, you know, we need to know the why, why in connecting with other people it's good for us and good for others. Uh, and I think the good news is that there's data there and we tend to, I think, over time, particularly in healthcare, uh, it may take a little while, but we tend to go where the data goes. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to have particularly technological advances that allow us to focus on people as technology takes away these, this administrative burden on it. Everybody works in the healthcare system. Well, one of the things uh, that you mentioned in there is that basically compassion is good medicine. It, it, it actually aids. It, it's not a separate thing that makes us just feel good. It actually helps with our healing. It actually helps with the results. Evidence-based medicine. Exactly. And so I guess my question would be, having worked in healthcare for a long time, I worked with as a, as a med group CEO one time for a lot of very specialized physicians, not who all displayed the best humanity at all times. Sure. So I guess my real fundamental question is, is, is the system of physician training, clinical training and bringing up through this, does it need to be rethought of? as far as maybe even what's taught, or do we even need to pick separate different kinds of people? Well, let me tell you why I don't think we need to pick different people first. There's lots of data that um, people that go, medical students have very high levels of compassion and empathy, and that that actually lowers over time. And then they, they it's higher, it's still pretty high when they're residents, and then it keeps going down. So we're choosing the right people initially, right? Because we know that, that um, and plus we know you can get better. If you and I went outside right now, we each threw a javelin, I don't know how far we would throw it, but if someone showed us how to throw a javelin, we would then throw it farther, right? right? So you can always get better with training. We've seen that with compassion. So um, I do think that it's not who we choose. Now, the part of your question about training or thinking about it, I do think we need to do more of that. There's almost no, here's the good, there's almost no medical school curriculum in the country that doesn't have some focus on compassion and empathy now. It's just they do it as a side dish. They do it as something separate. And it's incorporating it in as important as evidence-based medicine and having people consistently do it, that's the next level we have to get to. And I think that um, we've seen people of all ages and all types, uh, when they see this data change their behavior, and I think that I'm hopeful that medicine does that well over time. Now, you said something in your keynote today that, again, I, I, it just it flipped a different switch in my brain because you said that people that display compassion actually have less of a propensity to be burned out. And, and I, everything in my brain tells me that, that, that that's the opposite. The more vulnerable you are, the more you put yourself out there, the more other people drain your cup and not fill your cup. But what you're saying is, is the evidence says it's the opposite. Yep. So here's how I would explain it. Empathy, when you, when you can see what someone's going through, the suffering they're going through, um, when you can see that someone's having a problem, that hurts. That lights up the negative pathways in the brain. Um, Compassion is your response to that empathy. Compassion is when you act. 
and you intervene to relieve someone's suffering or you serve somebody else in some way. That lights up the reward pathways of the brain. So if you can do things and see that you're making a difference and do those things and make a difference, that is protective of burnout. And there are multiple studies that show that they're, you know, compassion and burnout are inversely related to each other. Wow, that's interesting. First it time I've ever been thought. sense, though, right? Yeah. Well, it's the first time maybe the concept is you can actually empty and fill your cup at the same time. Yeah, see, the key is not, you know, when you talk about cup, uh, you know, and is the, is the cup half full or is the cup half empty? The real key is the cup's refillable. Exactly. Right? And so that there's all these opportunities to do that. Um, and that, uh, yeah, there's a big difference between empathy and compassion. And taking advantage of that difference is what we need to do to decrease burn. Well, obviously, we're here at a conference that is specialized in digital health leaders, CIOs, and other jobs like this, where they're really focusing on technology. And the, you, there's the big buzzword right now, both from a reality perspective and maybe a bit of, uh, in itself, a little bit artificial right now. And that's AI and these things. How do you think that's going to impact the area, obviously, that you spent a lot of time focusing and researching on, but also as you lead healthcare, how do you think it's going to impact healthcare? I'm super excited. So... Uh, in, in several different contexts. I just think that, um, you know, if we can take away tasks from people that allow them to do the things that are more meaningful to them and, and connect with people, that's where we're going to get the benefits of uh, a lot of the data I talked about. So if you just think about patient care, just focus on that. You know, I believe patients see patients, uh, doctors see patients for free. They get paid to do paperwork. If we have technology that takes away that administrative burden, which I think you're seeing out there more and more now, it gives us a chance to interact with patients, and that's going to help decrease burnout as well. Um, you know, when you, when you talk to you know nurses and and you talk about what's frustrating them in their jobs, it's not the patient care part; it's the it's all those administrative tasks, and that's where I I really see AI as supplementing you know human supplementing what we do, not necessarily replacing it. Um, that's all the best AI right now, right? Is where it kind of makes us better at what we do. Uh, and I'm super excited about it. So I've had a couple of the guests on the podcast where we've talked about this recently and and have painted a little bit of a visual picture here of how soon will we, not if, but how soon will we enter into a world where physicians, nurses, other caregivers that have to do all this burdensome documentation won't ever touch a keyboard or a screen again. And I'm thinking five, seven years, just being not optimistic. No, I'm hearing 18 months, 24 months. Well, I mean, it's already happening months. in some places, yeah. right? Like, so it's getting closer, yeah. You know, Ambient Clinical Intelligence has, we found that um, for our, uh, we have uh, one of the tools at our institution, and for uh, people who use it over half the time, um, they have a 43% reduction in how much they're, they're spending time in writing clinical notes. It's amazing. That's giving somebody back a life again. Yeah. I mean, th that's how big of a game changer. And it's still You're got still a long way to go, though. It's got a long way to go, but it's 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 coming, and it's coming faster. People have to change their behavior. Change is hard, right? Um, and they have to accept these tools. Um, but I, I think it's going to happen once you see the benefits. So it was interesting. Our board chair right now, Dr. Nigren, he was sitting next to me, and he hasn't practiced in quite a long time. He goes, you give me 50 back 50% 50 back of my time when I was a physician? I might want to get my credentials back. I mean, he was literally, and he was being serious. He goes, that's a game changer of the people that have left the profession and maybe they want to come back. So what you represent at Chime, that's the solution, right? It's going to be technology solutions that is going to help us unload that administrative. Well, let, let's talk about a little negative side in the workplace, because we all know there's these people that not only are not self-aware and maybe have that lack of compassion, maybe they actually produce the negative sides of all those relationships. Obviously, you lead an organization, so not only do you have to educate people on these things you're passionate about, but you also have to lead people through this. How do you approach people that, that don't have the skill set 
and maybe just maybe aren't trainable in it. How do you have you approached? I, I, well, I think everyone's trainable. I do. I believe that, and we try. Um, but ultimately, you know, if you are not actively managing out your low performers, you're passively pushing out your high performers. So, you know, you have to deal with low performers. So either you train them and get them better, which is what I would prefer, or you unleash them on your competition. Exactly. You know, it was funny. There's always another opportunity for somebody in the other, in other industries, especially, <laughs> yeah. just not healthcare. Well, as you move forward from here, what's the net? What's the next thing for Dr. Mazzarelli? I mean, obviously, you've written two amazing books. You lead a very successful organization. You obviously are a very smart and talented human being. So the question is, what are you going to do next? What's your next level of passion take you somewhere? Well, for for my co-author Steve Treziak and I, we we look at the um, the first book as uh, you know specific to healthcare. The second book is to everybody, and it's you know we sort of think of it as live to give. That's the concept. Um, I think that there's probably something there in give to lead about really focusing on leadership. You know, there's a lot of servant leadership books, but there's not a ton that use data. Usually it's modeled after someone or someone's experience. Um, we, we like to look at familiar things in unfamiliar ways, and typically to look at data. So I think that's, that to me is an attractive area to maybe think about next. Yeah, it's interesting. We just got done with one of our Chime boot camps with 52 of our students. And I finish up with one of the big sessions that's very soft feeling oriented. And I said, listen, servant leadership isn't burning yourself into the ground and being useless to nobody. It's filling yourself up so much that you have the best to give in your industry and back to people. Completely. And I think we've lost sight of that in the definition of servant leadership. So hopefully. Yeah, it's not sacrificial leadership. It's just the, it's service leadership. Right? Exactly. No, that's wonderful. Well, I will tell you, Dr. Mazzarelli, you made a major impact on a huge crowd in the in the room next door. But more importantly, I personally appreciate you taking this passionately on. We greatly appreciate you being part of the program, but also part of our podcast today. Thank you for all you do. Thanks for having me. Hey, and also to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Chime Digital Health Leader Podcast. As always, you can visit us on chimecentral.org forward slash media or Spotify to listen to this and all these amazing healthcare leaders. Continue to innovate, transform, and create positive change to advance and improve health and care throughout all the communities you serve. But for now, please stay safe and God bless.